two, one. Welcome to the Rob at Desk podcast. I'm Rob Blasey. Today, I have a very special guest from the other side of the world joining us very early their time. Mr. Jem Fuller, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me on, Rob. When you said you could do it, I was like, and I was thinking, it's like, what do we have in common, Jim? I'm going, you have a really cool accent in my country. Do I have a really cool accent in your country? Super cool, dude. I'm just sitting here loving it. Do people like in Australia, like if some Midwest guy walk comes to Australia, are they going, that's a, that's a really cool Midwest accent you have there? Yeah, I, I don't know how many Aussies can actually pick the difference between Midwest or, you know, <laughs> Deep South or New York or LA, but um. I, I love accents, so I can I can tell a little bit of the difference, and um, yours is certainly very nice on the ear, Rob. Oh, well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Yours is as well. I'm, my wife's going to be like, can you just have him voice something so we can like you know go to like something like a, one of those sleep stories? <laughs> yeah, well, you can download my meditations. There you go. You can, oh, you you have, can download. <laughs> you have meditations we can download? <laughs> yeah, sure, man. I'll give you the link no, afterwards. I would have to look that up here for sure. Yeah. Rob, so my wife will be very disappointed if I don't do that after she hears this. Yeah, sure. So, and then, uh, and I want to say, I appreciate your passion for good communication. I think we both have that. I've coached basketball in the past and, you know, being in the workforce and sales. And when I see people that are, I think it's easily overlooked in, as a skill set, especially when things aren't going well, when things are going well, it's easy to communicate, whether it's in a relationship or work, like, Oh, you sold another big deal. Congrats. You know, mm. oh, the project hit, you know, came under budget. Congrats. Mm. Often like, whew, you hit under your numbers. Oh, the project's yeah, how, over. Yeah. How do we talk about this? <laughs> yeah. No, also when things get difficult, people don't want to, or like, hey, you know, you have, you know, in a relationship, things get difficult at times and having those conversations. So I guess yeah. my first question, I'm going to start off with a difficult one for you. Yeah. Is what are your, we'll talk about your story and your background too, but where do, how do you encourage people when the conversations are difficult? Yeah, I think it helps to understand why. Why yeah. does it get difficult in those situations? And there's there's a, a common factor in all of those different scenarios, and that is that our ego, our sense of identity, is super defensive. Oh, yeah. I mean, necessarily, right? We, we yeah. have this, this sense of identity that we've created through our formative years of who we think we are. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, um, it's there as a protection mechanism, right? Our ego is there to, to protect us. So it's fueled by fear. Mm -hmm. And um, and it doesn't like being challenged. And mm -hmm. so when we're caught up in ego, which most of us are most of the time, and that's okay, but we get super defensive. So someone comes and questions the way we've done something at work. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm curious, why did you do it that way? Ego jumps to the defense. Well, I had to yeah. do it because blah, 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 blah. Or if your coach, your basketball coach comes up and says, hey, dude, let's talk about that second, the second quarter, you know, that what were you doing? Where were you at? You know, the, the drill kind of thing. The ego straight away gets defensive because it feels like it's being attacked. Mm -hmm. or, or if your partner comes up, baby, the way you said that thing to me yesterday really upset me. Ego jumps in. Well, I didn't mean it. <laughs> you know? yeah. So the first thing is to understand that it's just our sense of identity. And look, essentially, I, I think it's just trying to protect us. So that's okay. But in most yeah. of those situations, we're not actually in danger. There's no lion chasing us to eat it. Right. Right? It's just our sense of identity that's that's being questioned. So we, if we can teach ourselves, and we can, I believe we can teach ourselves to pause and take a breath and realize it's just our ego and realize we're not actually in danger, then we can develop the, the skill, as you say, the skill or the ability in communication to just lean in and listen and seek to understand. Yeah. Now, and where did you, how did you get to that point in your reasoning like you have a great story you're barefoot in are you barefoot corporate world maybe i got that mixed up with <laughs> yeah that's bringing the two together but yeah i wandered around the world barefoot with dreadlocks for for many years and then and then also ended up um, in a suit and tie at some point as well so that's a yeah a, a clash of cultures there that's for sure mm. when you what got you to the point where you wanted to travel the world barefoot of all things yeah, look, it was a gradual progression. I didn't kind of, um, you know, all of a sudden decide to do that. But I was, I was born in Holland. My parents are not Dutch. My my father grew up in England. My mother grew up in Australia, um, and so I was born overseas. Grew up in Australia. Travelled overseas a few times as a kid with my family because my father was quite a global citizen. Uh, and then as soon as I finished high school, so at the age of eighteen, 
I just couldn't get out of here fast enough, you okay. know, just super curious. And then spent most of my 20s um, really with a strong urge to not just to travel, but to get to places that were really different to where I grew up. Okay. I had this desire and I didn't really understand it when I was a kid other than just wanting to be an adventurer. But I had the drive not just to travel to Europe and America, where, which I've traveled, but not not to travel there because they're quite similar to Australia. I really yeah. wanted to travel to Pakistan and Tibet and India and Southeast Asia and cultures that were very different to mine. Yeah. And I look back now and, and you know, with the benefit of hindsight, retrospectively understanding that the drive was for me to connect with humans cross-culturally, mm-hmm. yeah. to find out what we have in common, you know, underneath the, the cultural and geographical differences what do we have in common? That was what was driving me. And, and so that's kind of led to, you know, to where I am today to a large degree. No. So, because my wife and I talk about this, like if we have kids and we got married later in life, but the idea of like, I like that world traveler idea and she's more world traveled than I am. She works for mm. a global company. So she got to have someone else pay for a lot of her travels. That helps. Which, yeah. Right. It helps. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm like I made it to Texas once. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite countries. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, is the idea of, especially when kids are younger, like when you were 18, is sort of give them that freedom to go, go spend a summer traveling, and instead of, not that college and other stuff isn't important, but the what you can get out of learning from different cultures and different communities and being uncomfortable with where you're at a little bit too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that idea, you know. And if you think about when we're in our comfort zone, it's comfortable because we know everything in that zone. Yeah. That's why we're, that's why we're comfortable. Well, yeah, I know this space here. Yep. So there's really very little growth or learning that occurs in the comfort zone. It really yeah. pretty much happens in when you're uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Uh, and so if and not everyone is driven to grow and learn and that's completely cool. But yeah. if you are someone who's driven to expand into your potential, yeah. whatever that is for you, then that's going to happen when you're uncomfortable, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So what, would, what was one of your big ta- – what would you do to encourage someone that maybe has never left their hometown to sort of say, hey, go try something new? What would be – you know, outside of getting your comfort zone, but what would you – because we've I've had a ton of friends like where I grew up and they wanted to leave, but then whether they started – a family and things like that, which is good reasons to stay. Like, mm, mm, mm. like to sort of go, I always told people like, try it for a year. You can always go back. Yeah. You can always fly home. Absolutely. Okay. I guess it depends on who you're talking to. I'm thinking now about my oldest son who's turning 18 in, in a week. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he's in his last year of high school now. Okay. And he's about to, so 18 in Australia is when you can get your driver's license and when you can go to the pub and you know, okay. all these things. Um, and he's, he's not really too fussed about the pub. He's super excited about having his driver's license and getting a car. Right. But he, and he's even more excited about finishing high school and he wants to take a year to travel. Okay. Uh, and he's, re- he's, he's super pumped about that. He's been working and saving money and I'll help him out with it, with a ticket somewhere. And so I'm, I'm, I'm wrapped. I'm stoked that he wants to go traveling awesome. because that was something for me, but how do, I mean, I didn't even really need to, um, try and encourage him to do that I, he just knows that i've had a very global life and that's just the way he grew up he he knows i've got a second family in the himalayan mountains and he sees me go there every year i will be taking my kids there one one time um so for him it's just normal that there's a big wide world out there and it's interesting right there's yeah. this natural natural curiosity if if it was someone who um you know, wasn't interested in traveling. They just didn't have any interest at all. I probably wouldn't even bother trying to convince <laughs> them to go. But if it was someone who was a bit interested, but maybe a bit fearful, a bit worried, yeah. then I'd be saying like what you said, Rob, you know, you can always jump on a plane home. It's no big deal. And um, for, for me, the benefits of immersing ourselves in different cultures is it's not just like a Disneyland thing when you go and get on a ride and get off and come home. It's really about, um, learning and growing and seeing there's many other ways and i and i'm grateful for having immersed myself in different cultures because if i'm in a conversation before we came on air you and i were talking about mm-hmm. we'll probably have 80 percent of the things we agree on that's 20 percent that we might not agree on that 20 percent for me is the gold because yeah. when you cannot need to be defensive when you can really lean in so to speak to a conversation mm-hmm. and seek to understand difference 
You know, yeah. if you if you if you've got a point of view that to me is really really foreign, mm -hmm. my initial reaction to get to just shut it down in my head and go, no no no, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. If you can move past that, yeah, and and then I can really sit and go, wow, where is Rob coming from with this point of view, man? Then we're opening up communication. Yep. Then we're then we're we're opening up the possibility of diversity and connection and bigger problem solving. You mm -hmm. know, so I, I find it fascinating, and, and world travel can certainly do that for you because you are you're having to appreciate that there's different ways. Oh, yeah. You know. No, there's different perspectives out there. So, yeah. With yeah. It, like, it, like the, it's the simple, I just sort of round everything to 80-20 rule. Like, I agree with Dave Ramsey 80% of the time. I agree with Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. certain people you go like, oh, I can, you know, agree with them to certain degrees or not. One of the questions I had for you is, like, you believe in uh, consent, conscious communication. Yeah. What, what do you mean by that? And like, how'd you come up with that? So let's, let's maybe break it into the two words and understand yeah. for me and you understand what they mean. So communication um, and you, I think you watched my Ted talk. So in there, yeah. I, I share the, the root of that word, which is um, communicatio, the Latin communicatio, which is a sharing. Mm -hmm. Right. So communication is about a sharing and the verb communicare, which is to make common. So in communication, we're trying to make something common. Yep. Whether that's some instructions or whether it's an emotion, you know, maybe you're communicating with your wife and the purpose of the communication is that you want her to feel loved. Mm -hmm. right? So that might not be so literal. It might not be in words. It might be in the way that you're holding her or the things that you're doing for her or the way you're listening to her. Right. So communication is to make something common. Okay. between us to have a sharing conscious really literally just means the more conscious we are of something the more aware we are of it so conscious communication is being more aware in the communication of, of all the factors of the communication itself so being more aware of the purpose for example if someone's mm -hmm. coming to me and they're and they're really upset and they're speaking quite you know mm -hmm. emotively mm -hmm. and maybe they're saying things in an angry way the more conscious I am in that communication with them, the more aware I am of what are they actually trying to express right now? What are they wanting from this communication, right? Mm -hmm. In a situation where, um, you know, where I'm getting upset and my ego is jumping in and, and driving my bus, right? right? The ability to be more aware of that and go, oh, wow, hey, ego, it's okay. Just, just chill for a sec. Mm -hmm. What's actually going on here? You know, and, and to serve the communication itself rather than the individuals involved. But to be able to do that, we need to be more conscious. We need to be able to be more aware. So that's the, the basic premise of conscious communication. No, oh, interesting. And how would that help if people were able to do that more, like say in the workplace culture? Yeah, that's that's where I spend most of my work life. My bread and butter is is senior leadership coaching and helping okay. helping leaders build healthier workplace cultures. Massively, massively, you know, ninety percent of the of the um, the angst yeah. in organizations, in teams and, and interdepartmentally is miscommunication. Absolutely. You know, like people, people showing up into the same team, when you sit down and have a good chat with them, they essentially want the same thing. Oh yeah. They essentially want the same outcome. The organization's making widgets. Let, let's make the best widgets possible and get them to as many people as possible. We're on the same team, but yeah. people forget that yep. and, and they trip up in miscommunication. So the ability to actually be more conscious about our communication. So you've got the head of the sales department and the head of the finance department, and they're, they're arguing over something. To be able, for them to be able to sit down and be more conscious about both of them have positive intent. Mm -hmm. Both of them want the same outcome. You know, let's start with that 80% of the stuff we've got yeah. in common. Come to the same, we're on the same team. Remember, oh, that's right. We're on the same team. Okay, well, let's work out how we can best achieve that goal. You coming from sales and me coming from finance. Yeah. You know, so, so you, with more, yeah, sorry, sorry. That's, that's okay. No, so then how do you get like C-level people to put their ego aside? That's tricky, man. It takes it takes work and coaching and, and trust and, you know, it's not something you can just kind of click your fingers, you know. Right. Some, some organizations although not many anymore these days, but in my earlier years of running my coaching practice, some organizations would get me in to do a one-day workshop and that was it. That was the only engagement. And I would say to the execs, hey, look, you know, I can entertain your people for a day and maybe even inspire some of them. And at the end of the day, people will go, yeah, 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 that was so cool. But if that's where the engagement stops, 
that's where it'll stop. Oh, yeah. Everyone will go back to what they do. So the more effective work is when an organization embeds me for a period of time as a coach. And so I'm coaching the execs um, regularly. You know, we're having these wow. conversations regularly because you to be able to be more functional in, in, this, in what we're talking oh, yeah. about, to be able to be more conscious in your communication, this is a practice. This is a discipline. This is waking oh, up and, and meditating. This is practicing pausing. This is practicing emotional regulation. This is stuff that you don't just... You don't just read a book and go, oh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, no, I get, no that, makes, that makes a ton of sense, especially I'm like with my coaching background. I'm, I'm more of the sport, like the basketball. It's like, even if you already know how to do it, but getting quality reps up means a lot. Yeah, 100% it does. Yeah, you know, and we, we, we come to this point in our lives as in this moment right now mm-hmm. with a whole history of neural wiring. Yeah. Right. And, and, and the, the, the neurons that have fired together repetitively have wired together, right? Yeah. And if, if some of them have wired together in a limiting way for you, a limiting belief, say, say for example, you've got a belief, I'm not good enough, right? Okay. That's, that's pretty firmly embedded. Now, thankfully, the brain is plastic and, you know, neuroscience is, is F, with fMRI imaging all this stuff and showing us that it's possible to create change. That's all nice, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe it takes work you know, to, to rewire, to change your beliefs or your, your, your thoughts about yourself and life. Like basketball, man, you want to be good at shooting three-pointers, you got to stand there and shoot a lot of them. Oh, yeah. Always. <laughs> you know, oh, it's, yeah. you don't just kind of tick the box and go, yeah, I can do that. You well, know? Here, here's the correction I tell people, and I was like, you don't just have to shoot them. You got to make them. Uh-huh. Because, like, the, the joke we always say is like, oh, like, it's not just practicing, but it's perfect practice. Uh-huh, I love it, yeah. Because yeah. you just have people like, why they – we have kids, they put up, you know, a hundred threes, they make seven of them and they go, I'm going to shoot in the game. We're like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> we like, need someone who can actually make them. It's like, yeah, it's like you proved it. You proved to your teammates in practice, whether you can shoot that in a, when, when the test is on the line, when it matters in a game. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah. Well, something you said earlier struck me too, is like you were talking about like between the ego and why people respond. And like my brother and I have talked about this a lot where it's when you get responses from people, there's usually like two main reasons how people respond. And I think like you said, like I use the word pride and ego pretty, you know, interchangeably there. And then I think it, it, the other one was like self-preservation where if you ask me a question that's questioning me Mm. and I feel like I have to spin the truth or mislead the truth, it's Mm. because if the truth is out there, it can hurt my, my future. There's a damage that could be done if I don't, if I am, really truthful with like oh yeah i did screw up that project yeah yeah i did say this or i did you know so there's oh well i really didn't mean that at well, i don't mean that now but at the time i did maybe yeah you know and so it's that self-preservation yeah is, is why sometimes people just when you say getting to the truth it kind of slows people down because they're like well if the truth is out there maybe yeah. my future's in jeopardy yeah so true man i think that's right it, it comes down to you know, the mechanics of self-preservation. I, I, I think, you know, and it, this makes sense to me, it's only through reading a lot of books about this, but I think that the the ego, so yeah. our sense of identity, evolved with us as a species, as a self-protection mechanism, mm-hmm. right? You know, we weren't the fastest, fiercest animals on the savannah plain. There were other animals that were, you know, able oh, to eat us. Yes. Right? We had to be fearful. We, we, we had to... Um, have a sense of a strong sense of self-protection. Like I'm separate from the outside world. I'm not at one with everything. I'm separate and I'm vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So that in combination with our ability to socialize and connect and work as teams, mm-hmm. you know, and then develop tools. So, but I think, you know, this, this sense of I'm separate from the outside world, which is an illusion, isn't it? Right. <laughs> Cause yeah. we're actually not separate from the outside world, yeah. but the ego would have us believe that we are. So yep. this illusion has been necessary and it's very, very defensive. Like you say, it's a self-preservation mechanism, you know? Yeah. With, with teaching a conscious uh, communication in the last few years where the world's gone much more remote than it has, mm. what challenges have you seen with that trying to, with communication issues where now maybe it's not as much small talk before the meeting where I'm not, you know, sitting next to you before the meeting going, Hey, how's your day going, Jim? How's the family? Yeah. Now it's, if I want to actually learn anything about your day, I actually you have to, I have to take a step of action, hitting that send button on the phone. Yeah, I know, right? Heaven forbid. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. The the you know the really important um, 
the important social small talk, which is really important, um, hasn't been happening accidentally. It's not like, oh, whoops, a daisy, we're both at the photo photocopier at the same time, or yeah. oh, look at us both accidentally in the kitchen at the same time. How's your day going, man? You know, yeah. it has to be more conscious. There has to be more effort behind it. Um, true. And 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 through the last couple of years, I don't know about where you are, Rob, but here mm. in Victoria, in Australia, apparently we had the longest and strongest lockdown measures anywhere in the world. Uh, yeah. Um, so we've spent a lot of time locked up, yeah. so to speak. And so the effort that has had to be made, you know, it, ha it has to be conscious. I'm saying yeah. to leaders, pick up the phone, pick up the phone more than yeah. you would, not just in your, your team meeting Zoom calls, pick up the phone randomly like you would accidentally bump into someone somewhere and say, hey, I just thought of you. I wanted to just say good day and see how your day is going, right? Yeah. So this is conscious, but there's some benefits that come out of that as well because, because it's not accidental. When your phone rings, you know, if my phone was to ring and it was you, Rob, going, hey, Gem, I was just thinking of you, man. I just wanted to say good day and check in and see how you're going. That means more than if we just bumped into each other in the right? kitchen. You know? Yeah. No, that's a ton of sense when, when someone knows you actually went out of your way. It wasn't just convenient to run yeah. into someone. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, look, we, yeah, we've had to make more effort. Um, you know, we're social creatures. We are driven by the need to connect. That's why, the, you know, I don't know about where you are, but I'm, I'm presuming. But here, um, you know, depression rates went up, anxiety rates went up, suicide went up, all of these horrible things because of isolation, you know, as, as a creature, as a species. We're, we're meant to connect. We're meant to work in community. Yeah. So no, when, when we get isolated, it's not good. Yeah. It's interesting with how much of a proven that's been over the last few years or as much as people go, I don't need people like people yeah. make me angry. People, you know, all these things. The only type of people that make me angry are people that don't return their shopping cart or don't pick up their dog's poop when they go take their dog for a walk. <laughs> Those are the type of people that I'm like, look, you, you can yeah. go clean your house. I, you, it's like, <laughs> you can't return it. That's why yeah. that's why it's like if I was in charge, those would be more heinous crimes than many other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so funny you say that, right? Because that become that comes from your one of your core values must be consideration, right? You believe it's important to be considerate, like to think yeah. of others. We, we live in a society, we live in a community, and so be aware that there's other people in your community and pick up your dog poop, right? Or put yep. the shopping trolley back. I'm like you, I've, uh, one of my strong values is consideration. And it's funny, you know, doing all of this self-development work, yeah over the decades i've got to the point now i can say this honestly where i don't really get upset with people much at all no. except the one thing that still trips me up is consideration oh, yeah. no, when people are inconsiderate you know oh yeah you, the road rage is what gets us me and my wife more of my wife like there's i-70 i'm in denver here and i-70 yep. is what goes through the mountains here and we've made a family decision that no big decisions will be made while we're driving through the mountains all right <laughs> of all yeah that. that's a good idea like Who's the person driving slow in the well on, he, on our side of the globe? It's the left uh -huh. lane. It's like, why are they going uh -huh. so slow? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man, where I live, um, so I live on the Great Ocean Road. Okay. On the on the southern coast of Australia. Oh, nice. and it's it's I've been I've been to Denver and it's stunning, beautiful, and I love the mountains. I spend yeah. a lot of time in the Himalaya, but down here we're on the ocean, and the Great Ocean Road is exactly as it sounds. It's this road that was cut by war veterans, you know, a hundred years ago along this kind of cliff coast for a long stretch by this beautiful ocean, lots of surfing and big waves, etc. But when you're on this road, there's nowhere to overtake. You know, there's nowhere to get past a slow car. So if you're stuck behind a slow car, you're stuck behind them for a long oh, time. It's like, look, I, look, hey, look, I got somewhere. Hey, look, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, actually, do you know what? If I'm late, I'm late. You know, I'm, I'm, I can either sit behind this car frustrated and pissed off and annoyed or i can sit behind this car take a few deep breaths and just chill out and listen to a good podcast um, either way i'm going to get to the end at the same time but how's my experience of getting there right no my dad used to tell me he goes he's like you do you control what you can control and when things like that happen it's just there's probably a reason and maybe you don't know god may have something he may be protecting you from something that you have no idea what would happen if you're trying to be where you're supposed to be when you were supposed to be? Yeah. If yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're trying to control things out of your control, that's usually where things go out of whack. Yeah. And it's futile, right? <laughs> it's it's been, a waste of energy. Oh man. Trying to control things you can't control. control. My, my wife and I got married in COVID. Talk about not being able to control things. 
Aha, uh-huh, right. You probably had all these grand plans of a celebration of love with your friends and it, maybe it had to change. Oh, yeah. No, about, you know, plan of like a hundred some people, you know, getting together, all of a sudden turned into about a dozen people. Yep. And so, which, you know what? So it's kind of my fault. I was one day before the wedding, I was going, you know, months out, I'm going, God, I'm a terrible dancer. If I can get out of dancing at my wedding or at least dancing much, <laughs> I'd be much appreciated. So, so you oh, manifested oh, COVID. It's my fault. <laughs> So you're the reason COVID happened. It's my fault. Yeah, everyone wants, right, to, blame, okay. wants to blame like Wuhan lab or whatever. I'm like, no, it's probably yeah, my Rob fault. Rob didn't want to dance, man. He did not want to dance. He didn't want to dance at my wedding. <laughs> I'm a God. terrible dancer. I got like two left feet. I'm like, people go, why don't you get a motorcycle? I'm like, I'm clumsy. I don't want to be on one of those. Like, I don't want a big yeah. engine between my legs. Yeah, I can't yeah, dance. Yeah. Like, I know my strengths. I stay in my lane. Yeah, good, man. That's good. That's smart. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'm glad my lockdown was for a reason, man. I, I feel good about it now. Yeah, man. right? Now, now you can at least go, okay, at least save, save, save Rob's pride with dancing. Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, so my wife hears that story and she's like, because we both got married later. You know, she had the whole, everything planned out. And now she's like, like, we're still, you know, just, yeah. Yeah. But she sometimes likes the story depending on the day. Certain days she doesn't like the story. Yeah, 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 it depends. <laughs> so. Pick your times, man. Right? No, absolutely. So you wrote a book about your journeys and your and communication. What got you to the point where you wanted to write the book or felt confident you could write the book? Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I always felt like I was going to write a book. I really enjoy writing. It was a okay. really enjoyable process. Um, I've been a singer-songwriter since I was 15. Oh, yeah? I've written thousands of songs. It's, that's my therapy, you know. And um, So I, I love writing as an expression. Okay. And, you know, um, I've got some pretty cool stories, you know, I've, I've yeah. had some pretty wonderful adventures around the world. And so the communication thing, I knew I was going to write a book. I wasn't ready to write the autobiography. I mean, that'll come much later down the track and it's not really about me, you know, it's mm-hmm. about the difference that I wanted to make through writing this book. I chose communication because, um, you know, of the, some of the reasons that you and I have been talking about, I think communication is ultimately important, you know, in, in terms of, for many reasons. I mean, you can't even have an idea and and manifest that idea into reality without communication. Absolutely. You know, Einstein, and for all of his brilliance, if he couldn't communicate the concepts that he was coming up with, if he couldn't communicate them, we still it wouldn't have mattered. Right. You know, um, so communication is is important for manifestation. Communication is ultimately important for connection. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the bridge. It's the bridge between isolation and and connection. You know, and if you are, if you are feeling misunderstood, you're feeling isolated. Oh yeah, right. Because the communication's not working. It's also um, the bridge across the digital divide of difference. Okay. You know, so now we've got these people who have identified with their their ideology or their their, their politic. They've identified with a belief system, and there's someone who has a different belief system, and they're just shouting at each other and cancelling each other, trying to. And th- this is not evolving the situation. This is oh. not creating solutions. It's just, cr- it's just strengthening the divide. Mm-hmm. It's only with more conscious communication that we can actually come together and go, hey, wow, you've got the same colour blood as me. You need food and water too. You need shelter. You feel love. You feel the pain of loss when someone dies like me. Wow. We've actually got the fundamental stuff in common. Oh, yeah. So now let's communicate and come together to collaborate to solve the bigger problems, man. Pandemics, you know, inequality, mm-hmm. global warming. These things do not discriminate, mm-hmm. right? That, it's not going to care where you, how you grew up or what you look like. No. You know, so for us to solve these global problems, we have to communicate. So all of these reasons was like, I got to write a book about better communication Yep. And I started writing. <clears throat> um, I'm a storyteller, so okay. as when you see the book, you'll see the stories of my life that that kind of pepper their way through the book. And as I was writing, I, I found a book writing mentor, and I did her course. Uh, and her some of her words of wisdom were, "Jam, you need to pick an audience because if you just write broadly, no one will pick it up. You need yep. to write it for a particular demographic." She said, "I think men really need this book right now." Hmm. Um, so I made the book for men. 
Um, although, mind you, a lot of women are, are feeding back to me now about how much they love the book and then giving it to their partners and sons right. and brothers. And you know, well, was, I um, think the stats yeah. are: aren't more women more likely to pick up a book than? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Women are women are open to um, personal growth, personal development, wanting to expand, all of this kind of stuff. Men traditionally, and I believe it's a cultural stereotype. I think it's something that's you know, happened culturally and mm -hmm. we're indoctrinated with it, but men are more focused on just get the result, just show up, you know, stiff up a lip, suck it up. Don't cry like a girl. Can you believe we say that to our sons? Um, ridiculous. And all of this kind of cultural stuff that's indoctrinated, which was appropriate in the past, mm -hmm. right? world wars and, and depressions and that kind of stuff. I get it. You know, we mm -hmm. had to be tough. But it, that it, I, I believe we need to evolve as men. I believe it's time for us to say, hang on a second, I've got access to emotions. I, I can express how I feel about certain situations. You know, I can come to my leadership with a more human-centric sensibility. I can treat women with respect. Why do I have to treat them disrespectfully just because that's what used to happen, right? Yeah. So I, I'm a champion for men to support men to evolve and become better men, right? Oh, absolutely. And so that's that's what this book's about, yeah. yeah no, I think there's a huge gap. I don't know what Australia looks like, but in like at least on, on this side within the States, there's a, a ton of men that are more lost in the sense of purpose and the why in life. Because, I mean, in that cultural change, there's they've kind of been lost. Like there's not been a focus on them going, hey, yeah, you, you should – be able to do this stuff and it doesn't mean women can't it means like you should be able to provide for your family it doesn't mean the wife doesn't work if she doesn't want to you know it just yeah, means yeah, yeah. you should be able to and all these things it there's a lot of tension in a lot of the in that world where it's interesting to see where then it's like we have some friends that are single and they're older and they're going you know they go why can't we find a good guy well, i think there's a lot of good guys out there that kind of been sidetracked with where they don't have to, you know, yeah. do the work hard part where it's even this, like you said, where they've just been marginalized, where they've stayed in their mom's basement too long. Yeah. Staying as a boy rather than um, moving into man. And this, this boy man riddle is something that I, I talk to in the book and it's, it's an ongoing thing and it, and it can be subjective, mm -hmm. but essentially at the bottom of this boy man riddle is responsibility. Oh yeah. A, bo a boy doesn't need to be responsible. Yep. Um, whereas a man does. Uh, and culturally, like you said, you know, people have been like, so it's so culturally we're like, well, if, 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 I, if it's not that old thing, mm -hmm. you know, kind of misogynistic, unemotional, um, kind of get out there and survival of the fittest, if that's not what it means for me to be a man now, what is it that that hasn't been replaced? We haven't been teaching our boys what it can be like to be mm -hmm. a man. And so, I'm hoping this book helps men with that. You know, there's some really, really practical strategies and yep. and understandings in this book. And I'm encouraging men because, Rob, I believe that most men, like most people, I believe, are good. They're good. Like most men are waking up in the morning, like most humans are waking up in the morning. They're not waking up thinking, how can I go and hurt people and cause havoc? That's mm -hmm. We save that for the psychopaths. And, and I know there are psychopaths who do want to mm -hmm. cause harm, yeah. but the rest of us don't, man. We just wake up in the morning going, how can I do my best today? Or how can I just get through the day? Yeah. Right. So most men are good men. They're not assholes. They're not misogynistic, horrible people. They've just been raised in a culture where they know no better. So I'm putting a call out to go, well, here's how we can do it a bit better and let's support each other as men mm -hmm. to do a bit better. If you're with a group of mates and you hear one of your friends speak in a derogatory way or in a misogynistic way or in a sexist way about a woman, call him on it. Yeah. Go, hey, dude, I don't reckon that's okay. Oh, yeah. Right? Let's call each other on this stuff rather than just kind of being complicit and going, oh, yeah, ha, 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 and laughing along with it, man. Let's have the courage to, to, to hold each other accountable to being better, to shifting the stereotype of, of a man, you know? Yeah. Well, you said a few keywords and like with accountability and then responsibility. Mm. And what I, at least what I hear lies like you people are like, well, I have the right this. I have the right for this. I have the, but like I think rights and responsibilities aren't go in tandem you can't have a right for something without a responsibility to handle it well like i think yeah. a gun may be the perfect example of that if you can have the right to own a weapon yeah you have the responsibility to handle it properly yeah 
man, I, this whole I have the right thing, I, I don't understand the functionality behind that way of thinking. Yeah. You know, because well, they want the benefit. I, I equate it all the <laughs> way back to the shopping cart and the dog poop because they yeah. have the right to use the shopping cart. They have the right to have a dog, but they don't have the yeah. responsibility of cleaning up the dog's poop. They don't have yeah, the responsibility yeah. of returning the shopping cart, but they want yeah. all the rights of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I agree with you, man. Look, we've all got the rights for, you've got the right to do anything, you know, and mm -hmm. you can do whatever you want and you might get locked up for it or not or whatever the consequences will be. That's what it is. But mm -hmm. you've got the right to think, feel, do whatever you want and you'll, you'll experience the consequences of whatever it is that you do, whether they're right or wrong, no moral judgment. That's just the way life is. So that's fine. Yeah, you've got yeah. the right. 100% agree with you. I'm not interested in that. Yeah. I'm interested like you, Rob. I'm interested in, you know, how do you want to be as a part of society? Yeah. We're connected. You live here. I just, for me, it's the same as people who, I don't know what it's like. I know in, 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 the, in the States, you know, your tax laws are different in each different state. Here in Australia, we're much smaller. You know, there's one kind of tax law. It's a federal thing. And Oh, you're making people... me jealous of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> but people, people who refuse to pay taxes right they don't want to pay taxes mm -hmm. but they're happy to use the healthcare system they're happy to use the roads they're happy to use the the public libraries they're happy that we've oh, got yeah. all this public stuff where does it come from oh <laughs> you know, yeah like you've got your kid in hospital we're, we're very lucky over here man our public health system is ridiculously good and i know this firsthand you know my 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 boys one of my boys wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the public oh. health system and I'm happy to pay taxes. Why? Because that's where the health system comes from. Right. You know? No, and I think there's a there's a fine line for that stuff where I the argument on this side would be is do they do a better job? Yeah. And and I think it's when you like at least in the states when you see my wife and I were just joking about with some of the stuff we do where it's contra basically contract work and you go you got to file quarterly taxes, annual taxes, and then we have friends that do quarterly taxes. They say the IRS can't keep things straight and you're always paying you're, you know that so it's you yeah. know it's a, the whole argument of going like like i said that's the 80 percent we agree on but it's the how should it's the how yeah yep. yeah yeah and yeah so, and our, our government's doing a good job well largely not you know is the system um you know the the best way it could be no it's no. not um it's it's more the concept of so in, in terms of the how and, and yeah. is it being done well i don't think it is but, the, but conceptually, as an ideology, I'm a part of this community. Should I contribute to the community? Yep. Yes. Absolutely. So here's a question for being a communications guy. Then where do you land on free speech? Like, where's the, like, because, you know, where do you land on people should be able to speak there? And I, I think we'll both agree, like, there's a difference between free speech. I was like, this free speech. We'll just start there. How about that? We'll, yeah. What so before before we dive down into the detail of it, yeah, I 100% believe that you should be able to say what you want to say. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then and then it gets more complex. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because if you've got someone who is trying to cause harm. Yep. Right? Then as 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 a member of a community, as a community, we need to look at individual cases and go, so we're a community here right now. Mhm. Mm and here's someone who's trying to cause harm to other people in the community. So we've got to do something about that. Yep. Right. Or this person over here is speaking in ways and other people are being offended by that. But do they have an intent to actually cause harm? No, they don't. They're just expressing their point of view. Mm -hmm. we, we, and I, look, it's easier said than done to be oh, able to yeah. do this as a community. But f philosophically, this should be the approach. Right. Yeah. Because if I say a particular word, but, but my intention in that moment is I'm coming from a place of love. Mm -hmm. But somebody gets offended by that word. Whose responsibility is that? If I didn't even know that they heard me, maybe they heard me on a podcast and they're angry at me now and they want to cancel me, they want to shut me down. Oh, but, they, they've never, but they've never met me and they don't even know that I was coming from a place of love. That's, that, I think that's crazy. It's a, it's a people lose context. Where context you know, is important, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was just talking about this with somebody else's with the idea of grace, like in conversation where it's like, you might have said something where you go, uh, there's some European cultures are known for this. I don't know about Australian culture, but they're just blunt. They'd be like, yeah, Boy, Rob, you're kind of big. 
I'm like, look, I've been trying to lose weight. Settle down. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm, you know, like, yeah. and they're just like, yeah. but they're just blunt. They're just saying, you're a large person. You're a big, per-, you know, cause I'm, mm. you know, six, three, two seventy, you know, yeah. Yeah. Got yep. some size when you walk around. Yeah. 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 A little bit, a little bit more gravity around. Me. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but then it's like, but it's then, like you said, it's up to me to go. Are they saying that? Are they trying to be a jerk about it? Or are they, yeah. It's like, and that's where grace comes in. Sometimes grace is undeserved, just, you know, benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Look, I, I feel that if my emotional, psychological, physiological state, my state of being in any given moment, mm-hmm. my experience of life in any given moment, if that is at the hands of others, mm-hmm. I'm a victim. Absolutely. You know, if my experience in any given moment is because of what you said about me, I'm a complete victim and that's not the way I want to live. I want to live feeling empowered. I want to feel, I want to live like I'm the driver of my bus. I'm the one who has the most to say about now. Sure. I get triggered by stuff, but how I respond to that trigger is up to me. You know, my frustration with you is mine. It's my frustration, not yours, you know, and because that person, you know, didn't put the shopping trolley back or left their dog poop on the ground. It's still my frustration, not theirs, you know. So I'm gonna if make someone with the shopping cart, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Put put the dog poop in the shopping cart at least, right? right? At least. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know which one. Like, I think of that just goes back to laziness. Laziness, yeah, yeah, yeah. But sorry, you know, I'm, look, if I'm if, easily if, distracted, sorry. No, 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 cool, man. If if someone if someone says something and you are up in arms about it. They've, they've in some way you've been controlled by a word that came out of a person's mouth without even knowing what the context was mm-hmm. you know and anyway so we, we kind of digress but look it's a complex situation back to free speech man i essentially i believe that you should be able to say whatever you want to say mm-hmm. for, for those of us in the in, in community and how mm-hmm. we're going to deal with what people say we need to look at context we need to look at intent we need to look at potential damage to the society or the community involved, you know, and those things we do need to deal with because, you know, we're, we're trying to survive yep. and flourish as a species. Matt, can I tell you a story? Absolutely. I, I, I was going to ask you how much more time you had. I didn't want to take, t- I look, I could talk to you. It seems like all day, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've got time. Okay. Um, so I was in this small village in India on the, on the banks of a river called the Narmada river. Okay. Small village. Um, I, I think there might have, yeah, there was one policeman in this village and he had one little police station with, with a cell. Anyway, we were sitting around the town square and, you know, there was people just milling around doing what they were doing. There was one bridge that crossed the river, like a, a footbridge, not big enough to drive okay. over. And I was sitting there in a cafe with an Israeli woman and we were smoking charis, which is their version of weed. Okay. Um, and we're sitting there and then this guy came running and he was a, a beggar. He was in, in tatters, you know, his clothes were dirty and he was dirty and he was obviously living on the street. And he came running over the bridge with these two young guys. They looked about university, college age, okay. young men chasing him, two or three guys chasing him. And he was running. And one of the younger boys leapt through the air and kicked him in the back and they kicked him to the ground and they started beating him to death. Oh, wow. literally. Right. And I was like, whoa, this is heavy. Right. <laughs> You're wigging me out in my stone. Right? <laughs> so I'm sitting there going, whoa. And this Israeli woman, she starts screaming at me. She stands up and she says, Jam, Jam, do something about it. Do something about it. And these boys were going to beat him to death. Right. Mm-hmm. I was kind of lost. I ran over and I kind of put myself over this guy and, and got in the way of the younger guys and this guy. And I kind of protected him and they stopped. He was halfway gone already. Mm. I was looking around. Oh, what am I going to do now? Where am I going to take this guy? There's no hospital. We're in a tiny little village with chickens and stray yeah. dogs. And, you know, and I look around and there was this old um, beaten up first aid ambulance type van, but it wasn't working. It was old and beaten up sitting mm. over in the corner. And I kind of just started dragging him towards that because I didn't know what else to do. Right. And one of these young guys came up to me and he leant into my ear. And in English, he said, you are doing the wrong thing. And in that moment, I just went, wow, this is not my place, man. I don't know what's going on here. And so I put the guy back down and I went and sat back down again and I let that community deal with it 
the way they dealt with it. And all of the elders of the community, so the respectable business people and whatnot, they all came and stood in a circle and they all stood there in approval. It was a heavy moment. It wasn't, it wasn't light and enjoyable. Yeah. It was heavy for everybody, but everyone condoned it and these boys beat that man to death, right? Wow. So I saw this in front of me and I was like, wow, what's going on? And I found out later this man had for, for six months now had lost it. He'd become a bit psycho and he'd been going around with a two before plank of wood and, and belting other beggars over the head, like, you know, and killing people and, uh, you know, causing oh, wow. havoc in the community. And the policeman had tried locking him up and they'd lock him up and let him go and he'd do it again. And they'd lock him up and let him go and he'd do it again. So this was the community going, we've got a problem. We need to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And they dealt with it. Right. So, that story to me was like, whoa, you know, sure, it's not the civil way that we do it back where I come from, but yeah. what, what, what do we do back home? We put people in jail and treat them terribly so that they don't heal either and they just, you, taxpayers spend all. So I'm not condoning any of the behaviour. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying that as a, as a society, we need to, yes, we need to deal with it. If there's someone causing harm in the society, we've got to do whatever we can in a humane way here where we live to deal with it. Um. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know why I shared that story. No, that's a great, so then the so here's a, the question that comes up is like, how do you define harm to a community? Because you could have, you know, the idea of like the surgeon's got to cut someone to heal them. Mm. And so, how do you? I mean, how, people the the definition of good or truth has turned subjective. Mm -hmm. So then, when you go. Cause the best, like I just see it as, as people go, if it's good for me, the answer, then it's good in general. But yeah. What's good for you, Jim may not be good for me. Yeah. And so you might've shorted Tesla. I might've invested in Tesla. Someone's going to lose. Yeah. 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 So yeah. We both can't be right. That's probably a terrible example. No, but I know what you mean, man. I, I, I think it's gotta be more than just, it's good for me. You know, we're a social animal. We live in community. Yeah. If you don't want to live in community, completely fine, man. If you want to go off the grid and live on your own somewhere out and just be completely self-sufficient, do whatever you want. Yeah. But if you want to live in community, if you want to enjoy the benefits that come from us working together as mm -hmm. a social creature, then it's not just about what's good for me. It's about what's good for me, what's good for those that I care about, and what's good for the greater good. Yep. But even that definition of greater good is different from like we'll agree on 80% of it, but that other 20%. Yeah. yeah. And so it's that. That's why it's tricky. It is. And that's why we got to be a good communicator. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We've got to be able to talk about it, right? We've got to be able to, because your your point of view has to be as valid as mine. Yeah. If your if your point of view is not valid, then mine's not valid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. And it I can't think be one or the other. Do you think people are still, because this is what one of my pet peeves where I think people's reasoning and logic has deteriorated because of well if it's people, I, the term i've been hating is my truth well this is my truth mm. that's that's a different way of saying it. well it's my opinion don't call mm. it truth because yeah. truth is a, a definite yeah 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 truth is a definite sure but at the same time man you know we can only ever perceive reality through our filters through our biases through our beliefs right your version right. of reality has to be slightly different to mine because of your background correct and because of the predispositions you know the the way that we function as as a species as a as a creature is that we have a, a predisposed idea about anything that's going to happen in any given moment you know when you reach for your glass of water you have an idea of how that experience is going to feel and look mm -hmm. and be for you you know due to your past mm -hmm. right so and, and so when someone walks into the room, just say you and I went to um, a networking event together. You know, we okay. go out together and we walk I'd into a room. By the way, if you ever came to Denver, I'd love to go to a networking event or even just to the pub. Either one. The pub, right? So we go to the pub, right? <laughs> <laughs> we, go to, we go to the pub. And we're not we're called pubs in Denver, but we'll, we'll go. We'll, 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 what, what are they called? Bar? Just a bar. or like A, a bar, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we go to the bar, right? Or they have we one here the... like a, oh, I can't even breweries they have a lot ton of microbreweries uh -huh. here yeah yeah same here man microbreweries have gone crazy yeah okay yeah, sorry yeah, okay yeah. we'll start again we're going to the microbrewery we got we're going to the microbrewery right we're okay. going to go and taste some really fine nice ales we walk into the room and okay. and straight away you've got a funny feeling in the room man. you're like yeah i'm not trusting this room right now there's something not quite right mm -hmm. and i'm going what do you mean man it feels great now your version of reality is completely valid and so is mine 
it may have been that someone who just walked past us was wearing a, a fragrance or an aftershave or something from from some abusive person from when you were two years old and you've got a, a background subconscious um, trigger or association to that smell that makes you not trust the environment. Now, you might not even consciously remember that from when you were two yeah. years old, but something subtle in the room has triggered you. And so for you, it's like, I don't trust this room right now, right? Whereas for me, I do. Now, both of those opinions of reality, that's your truth and that's my truth, but they're different. And then that then plays into how you move through the room and how you speak to people and how I move through the room and how I speak to people. So then those convergent, divergent realities yeah. become self-fulfilling prophecies, right? Yeah. So this is an analogy for life. Yeah, well, I would say what's interesting with that is like, I would say there's still a, a truth is the room safe or not. And so it's like, just because my experience as a two-year-old with that doesn't, isn't a true causation. It's like, and psychologists will work with uh -huh. people a lot with like with the fears they have and it's an yeah. irrational fear, but the fear came from something which is true. Yeah, but, but is the room dangerous or not? There's they, an ultimate truth there. Yeah. And then, uh, because it's an interesting way we th say that where it's like, yeah, they, they, their fear isn't unreal. Yeah. But what about this, Rob? What about this? Yeah. Right? Just imagine. Yeah. So if there's a, let's just make it not you and me. So, okay. so there's, there's one dude that goes into the room and he goes, nah, this room's not safe. I'm on high alert. And this, and this person's defense mechanism is, is aggression, right? Yeah. So they go into this bar and they're on the alert and their defense me mechanism is, is violence. And so then through the night, you know, a few beers down and, you know, or yep. a few whiskeys or whatever, and people get a little bit loose and blah, blah, blah. And then this person takes something the wrong way. And he goes, I see, I knew this. I couldn't trust this room. And someone says something and then he arcs up and they arc up and then there's a fight. Yeah. Right. Then you take person B who um, doesn't feel that there's anything dangerous in the room. In fact, feels like everyone in the room's, you know, quite lovely and nice. And so yep. their defenses are not up and they're not aggressive because of their past. They're a pacifist. And they go through that room that night. And there's no fight. Mm -hmm. So the room wasn't, well, it didn't end up being dangerous, but I guess the potential for everything is maybe always there. I don't know. What do you reckon? So and stuff like that, where it's like, if I still wouldn't, is it dangerous? But it was almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. It's like if yeah. you're looking for something, you're going to find it. I'm sure you probably heard the, or a, a story similar to like the, maybe it's a, you know, the short story of where there's a traveler and he goes, gets to the city gate and he's like, and you're maybe the guy at the gate. I'm like, Jim, tell me about the people of the city. And you're like, well, tell me about the people you've came from. I'm like, oh, they're just, uh -huh. they took care of people. They did all, you know, I came from a great city. You know, like when people were hungry, they fed them, you know, they took care of people. And they're like, he's like, you're going to find those people here too. Yeah. Then the next guy come up and comes up to you and goes, Jim, what are the people like here? And you're like, well, what, where'd you come from? It's like oh, a whole bunch uh -huh. of backstabbers, liars, and cheats. He's like, well, you're going to find those people here too. Yep. yep. And so it's kind yep. of that, like, so, and that's where I think I'm not, that's where I think that perspective comes in where it's like, is there, is it either one of them untrue or true? Yeah. But it's like, they're both true in the sense, but there's not a, was the guy right for still going to violence? Yeah. Like, that doesn't mean it was, it means he's got an issue he's got to work on. It doesn't, he, you know, the court of law would be like, your intent might not have been to hurt him, but you did. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So that's why you like, at least in the American or U.S. judicial system, there's like murder one, murder two, murder three, you know, it's like, cause intent matters. And that's mm. where. Yeah. You know, intent, intent matters. And that's where it's going crazy, man. I heard this story about a, a Netflix executive. And, um, you know, we might be treading on contentious ground here, man. You might get shut down for conversations like this. But, <laughs> but I heard there was a Netflix executive. Um, and in the context, now this is just what I've heard on a yeah, podcast. Yeah. I wasn't there. <clears throat> but let's just use this as an example, right? Yeah. So in the context, he said, look, some of our shows are upsetting people because of the language and, and, and the content. And mm -hmm. we need, as, as Netflix, we need to be more, um, consider it. We need to be more careful about the content and the language because we don't want to upset people. That's not why we're here. And in this particular show, the person, and then he used the N word, he said, and the person said that word, but he actually said the word. And he was saying, we shouldn't use that word because we don't want to upset people. So he was actually arguing yeah. to not use that word. But he said that word in the context of we shouldn't use that word. And he got cancelled. He lost his job. He lost his career. He lost everything. But his intention was to try and be considerate. 
Yeah. And someone in that room wanted to shut him down for it. It's like, it's the, it is the strangest word in the English language yeah. of, of how it can be used contextually. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. You and, know, I, it's, yeah, it's crazy. And so I just use that example of I, like what you're saying, man, intent matters. Yeah. And, and traditionally we would take that into consideration, but now with Twitter and other platforms, I mean, I don't use Twitter, so I don't really know much about it, but with these platforms where people can actually cancel each other because of something they said without taking into consideration their intent. Yeah. I think that's crazy. So this kind of reminds me of like, I don't understand how it works, but like in Denver, my wife and I, and I, we like going on hikes. And if there's yep. one thing I absolutely hate in the wilderness, I don't know why God ever created them. I'm sure that's why he cursed them, but snakes. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I hate snakes. Like right. I can go on bike rides and they're out trying to warm on the sidewalk as you're trying to, and like, I can't tell you how hard I've hit the brakes on my bike before, you know, with a scene. Man, they're not, they're not just warming on the sidewalk. They're there waiting for you. They're preying on you, man. They're coming yeah, to hey, get you. Hey, thanks for that. <laughs> Are you a motivational speaker too? Come on. <laughs> the whole intention is I'm going to get Rob. <laughs> it's all that they're out there for. And and I get like, I lived in North Carolina for a while and there's certain snakes that attack the bat, like the poisonous snakes. So you don't want to get rid of all the snakes. Like they're, they're their own, their own your defense against the really bad ones. Yeah, right. Like out here in Colorado, we have a ton of rattlesnakes. And so when I'm hiking and I see even a twig, guess what I think it is? Yeah, it's a snake, right? I think it's a snake. Yeah, and I think there's that disconnect with people. Was like, it only has to be a snake once for me to go. Aha! I was right to jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's deeply wired, man. That's that's wired in the old brain. You know, you. Yeah. That's not just you. I, I reckon that's most humans. Um, you know, unless they've been in a, an environment where they've conditioned themselves out of it. But most humans, the reptilian part of the brain, the old part, hears a twig snap and it's like danger, you know, yeah. snake or whatever. That's that's hardwired. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people now do that with communication or speaker, like Mm. they're, they're already trying to get upset with it because there will be a time they should be upset. Right. And they're right that one time, but they're wrong. Like my wife's the pessimist. I'm the optimist. And Uh so she's like, like, we just bought a new house and there, you know, everything that could go wrong. She's like, this could go wrong. This could go. I'm like, but it all could go right too. (laughs) And it's like, it's one of like, she only has to be right once to go. See, I told See, you I told... I'm worried about this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, hey, yeah, interesting. You know, little digression here, but yeah. this this positive negative outlook. You know, the optimist and the pessimist. Research shows us that the discipline of a positive perspective, so the discipline of going, hang on, what might be possible rather than what's not possible, yeah. gets us better results. So even for people who are naturally more negative, naturally more pessimistic, they naturally lean towards seeing the glass half empty yeah if they can teach themselves the discipline of going hang on i know naturally i see the glass as being half empty but in this moment right now if i can sit down and go hang on what might be possible right they, they we get better results so um yeah i think it's it's functional to to look at what you know to look at the upside of things yeah. in defense of my wife she works in hr so she's got to deal with all the bad types of people right <laughs> she's yeah, like, yeah, I'm just yeah. Used to like oh no, yeah yeah people man people that people are the crazy part of the equation you know like it it, and this is the reason i've got work you know my my ceos the ceos i coach and the executive teams i coach and they're like my god this everything would work so smoothly and then you put humans in the mix and it all goes pear-shaped and you never know how certain like you have the you could have the best intentions you could have the best communication the best memo from corporate to hey this is why we're going to make this change and this is why we're going to do this and it's like the reasoning is strong and the logic is strong, but then you're going to have someone go, but we've never done it that way before. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, that's not a great reason to not try it, I guess. Yeah. But they're like, well, we haven't done it. Like, so resist change, resist change. Right. You know, yeah. Which is like saying, I'm never going to die. <laughs> it's like death and change, man. They're the two things you can avoid taxes, right? You can go and live in Andorra in Europe and avoid taxes, but you can't avoid death and you can't avoid change. They're definitely happening. And it's crazy, right? Like you say, people dig their heels in and resist change. It's like, well, man, whether you, no matter how hard you dig your heels in, it's happening. Oh yeah. You know? no, and that, if you favorite. resist change, that equals suffering, right? <laughs> if you embrace change, yeah, it's a kind of an easier way. But really what, what I think is more functional is to be designing change. Right. Right. Looking forward. How can I, what can I do to help make things better? What can we try that we've never tried before? You know, 
No, absolutely. Jim, I've really enjoyed this conversation. If someone wants to, you know, get in touch with you or get a hold of your book, what's the best way people could get in touch with you? Um, the easiest way over there in the States to get my book is on Amazon. So okay. just type in Jem Fuller, J-E-M, not Jim. There's a Jim Fuller out there who writes books as well. There's a, but Jem Fuller, um, the art of conscious communication for thoughtful men. You can grab the book on Amazon. If you want to follow me or get in touch or anything like that, my website, jemfuller.com and then, you know, Insta and Facebook and LinkedIn is all just Jem Fuller. So I'm pretty easy to find. Okay, perfect. I'll, I'll put a link to all those in the description as well. So people can easily find you if they're listening to this. Yep. Jim, I really enjoyed our conversation. I hope conversation. I hope we can do it again sometime. And I really hope that if you ever come out to Denver, you let me know. I will certainly let you know, man. I um, I like you, Rob. You're a good man. Well, I appreciate that. So anything I can do to help you out, please let me know. Yeah, thanks, brother. <laughs>